A college football tradition like no other. Yes, re boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow, that is sad. The Dave Hooker Show, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. Wow, what a weekend for the Vols. Five picks in the top three rounds. That is second most in the nation. But I have one disappointing aspect to the fine weekend for tennis. We'll get to that. Also, a semi-racist comment from a Georgia football player. I didn't like that too much. And Jeremy Banks finds a home. Also, we'll get to four downs and break down where every ball went. And today's tough question, who's most like Steph Curry? Who's most clutch? So we've got a lot going on. That's brought to you by Craven Wings. Good morning, Caleb Calhoun. How are you, sir? I'm recovering. It was a brutal weekend for me. Grizzlies fan, John Morant and them got embarrassed Friday night and all that talking got silenced and they deserved every bit of the smoke LeBron gave them. And then my Titans go and draft Will Levis. I just, you know, I just wanted to set the world on fire. Not good times. Not good times. And uh, good morning to everyone. Good morning to Travis as well. And, yes, the Titans picked Will Levis, which is uh, a little bit bizarro. In the Detroit Lions. Rand did you see what Rand Carthen said on Saturday, by the way, addressing this? I did. Very judgy. Yeah. Very judgy. He's an yeah, assistant. Yeah. Tell everybody who Rand Carthen is for those that don't know. He's the he's basically the GM of the Titans now, and he and he on Saturday uh, uh, basically accused us media members and fans of who criticized the draft pick of taking the moment away from players who are drafted. It's our job to criticize draft picks and critique them. And guess what? Nashville residents just spent over a billion dollars on a new stadium. They got every right to feel however the heck they want about how the Titans are drafting. It also came across as really preachy, and it would have come across as preachy for college. In college, they are, air quotes, amateurs. Not really anymore, but it was especially preachy for a guy in Will Levis that's getting ready to take home eight, nine, ten million dollars $10 And I'm sorry that he slipped. I hate that for you, Will, but you're still not hurting. All right, everybody, hit that like button. We're going to get to it, and be sure and subscribe if you haven't to this point. We're with you. Each and every morning at 10 a.m., we've got the apps. We've also uh, got podcasts on every platform you could possibly imagine. So let's go ahead and get to it right now. And I made some people mad over the weekend. I was actually called crazy over the weekend. I want to start with Hendon Hooker falls to the third round of the Detroit line. And I'm going to make this argument right now. Caleb, I haven't heard from you over the weekend about it. You may think I'm crazy. The response on Twitter was basically, you're crazy and good argument, but you're still kind of crazy. So maybe I'm crazy. Here is what I would do if I were Hendon Hooker and his family. We share the same last name, no relation, but if he were my son, I would sit down and say, son, gosh, that sounded a little like Bill Cosby. But anyway, um, son, Bill so, Cosby and hookers. Okay, sorry. That's yeah, not that's a good combination. <laughs> Pretend I didn't even say that name. I detest that name and that person. Okay, so 
I would say, son, here you are with an ACL injury. You say you're going to be 100% in August, but let's be honest. Um, it wouldn't hurt to have a little more time. I know that it's a nine-month recovery, but ACLs used to be a year, so a year's not going to hurt. There's a chance you're going to sit in Detroit anyway. Now, if you didn't check out offthehooksports.com over the weekend, I wrote that, hey, there's this guy named Calvin Johnson, who might have been the best receiver in the history of man, but we'll never know because he played for the Detroit Lions. You got Barry Sanders, who might be the best running back in the history of man, but he's not held up to that regard because he played for the Detroit Lions. We have the argument of Gail Sayers, Emmett Smith. We have the argument of a ton of other guys. But if Detroit Lions, if Barry Sanders played behind the Dallas Cowboys offensive line instead of the Detroit Lions offensive line, there's a darn good chance that he would be the all-time leading rusher, and he would have been even for the Lions. So, Caleb, I said to myself, self, what would you do? I'd sit out a year, reclassify, go back into the draft, I know it sounds insane, but I'd rather go to a good franchise in the fourth, fifth round in 2024 than to go to the Detroit Lions, who haven't won a championship since the 50s, who are only one of four teams and two are expansion teams that played in the Super Bowl. Four teams have not played in the Super Bowl in the NFL. I'd reclassify and go in next year's draft which is going to be deep in quarterbacks. I get all that. I know all the facts. I believe I do. Caleb oftentimes will enlighten me to things I'm not aware of. I'm not going to the Detroit Lions. Call me crazy, but I'm taking a year. I'm going to work on my game, and I'm going to see where the chips fall next year. Because in my opinion, the chips can't fall any worse than the Detroit Lions. Caleb, am I insane? I don't think you're insane. I think you're a little incomplete. Okay. To right. be fair on this. You're looking at a Detroit okay. Lions franchise that they drafted Calvin Johnson in 2007, I believe. They drafted right. Barry Sanders in what was it, 1989, 1990, around them. You're looking at them under the time when they were run. So that for those who don't know, they've been run by the Ford family since the 1960s. Right. You're looking at the period when they were run by William Clay Ford Sr., who owned the team from 1964 to 2013 when he passed away. He was the standard of incompetence and patheticness and everything bad. I mean, this is the guy that, like, you know, when he was only in Detroit, Ford started making all the cars that ran their company nearly into the ground in 2008. To their credit, they didn't take any bailout money. But <laughs> I would say that the Ford family, it depends. They now have... Sheila Ford Hemp, uh, Hemp running the show. She took over in 2020. And I think it, I do actually think it's run a lot more effectively than it was then. This isn't Amy Adams Strunk taking over for Bud Adams and being just as incompetent as Bud Adams was, which is what's happening with the Titans. I actually think that the Dan Campbell hire was good. They were nine and eight last year. I think we're looking at a different type of franchise now. Okay. So, it's one of two things or somewhere in the middle. It's Dan Snyder taking over the Redskins, which we would have said the Redskins will be great under Dan Snyder because he spends a lot of money when he bought the team. Now we know that was a complete disaster. Jerry Jones, on the flip side, we thought this guy just fired Tom Landry. He is a complete loser. They go on to win three Super Bowls. 
or it's somewhere in between, likely somewhere in between. It's not a disaster. It's not going to turn out to where Hendon Hooker probably wins three Super Bowls, but it's probably somewhere in between. And, and you bring up the last three years since they've been run by somebody not named Ford. I get that. Caleb no, Giroux. Ford, just a different Ford. Right. Uh, Caleb Giroux, th- he brought up over the weekend that um, the Detroit Lions were better last year. But here's where you guys are missing it, and I love you. You're basing Hendon Hooker's future, which to me is precious because I really like the kids. You'll find that I like guys – that I've covered and respect more than the Dallas Cowboys. I'll say I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I'd rather see Hendon Hooker win a Super Bowl than the Dallas Cowboys, to be real honest with you. So you are basing that off a half season. Drew is a half season last year. You're basing it off three years. Calhoun, I'm basing mine off 70 years. That's a lot of years, my man. No, you're basing it off 59 years. You're basing it off 1964 to 2013. And during that run, you have me. You got me. You got me. There was one man who owned the team during that run. Look at what Detroit did before then. They actually had a pretty good franchise in the 50s. Uh, Darius McCord, a couple former Vols, actually played for Detroit. I think they won like three NFL championships back then. It was when William Clay Ford took over in 1964 and was just a model of incompetence for 60 years. He's no longer there, or 50 years, maybe 49. What's 2013 minus 1964? That's 49, actually, isn't it? Yes, but we're in 2023. Okay, so, well, then someone else owned them from 2013 to 2020. Okay. And they want, again, that I wouldn't say the franchise was run terribly incompetently from the 2013 to 2020 period. Calvin Johnson did retire during that time, but let's be honest, the, the makings was already there for Calvin Johnson to retire before William Clay Ford Sr., passed away it's all about William Clay Ford senior he was the model of failure he was the Dan Snyder he was the Jerry Jones post the three Super Bowls not to not to be a sticky point for you (laughs) that's fine but my concern is not just what Hendon Hooker is going to do in the next three to five years and Travis says Lions a good place for him to be highlighted so I want to I want to get to the positive side of it because I'm so happy he got drafted in the third round. I never thought he'd be first. I didn't really think he'd be second. I kind of nailed that one uh, in the third. So th- there could he be highlighted? Yes. But here's the concern. You took away Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders desire to play football. And that is not just kind of stumbling through like some other programs did. That is a program that is a franchise that is so bad that guys quit in the middle of their Hall of Fame career. That's my concern, is that it takes away Hendon Hooker's love for the game. It's not just that they might not make the playoffs for five years. It's much more than that, Caleb. And and that's my biggest concern for one of the finest young men that's played football for Tennessee in my lifetime. Yeah, but there are franchises that have driven people into early retirement, but still also produce Hall of Fame careers. I mean, from a different, in a reverse, look at the Colts. The Colts forced Andrew Luck into early retirement in his prime, but Peyton Manning had a Hall of Fame career with them at the same time. Now, I know Hooker's not Peyton Manning. I don't think anybody expects him to be Peyton Manning. But, Dave, in two years, he might be the best quarterback in the NFC North. Look who's in the North right now. Who's in Chicago? Who's in Minnesota? Justin Fields. Uh, um... 
yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I, I just, I'm basing it off history, Caleb, and they've been a bunch of losers. And I they know what have. I'm saying. I know what I'm saying is very drastic. Okay. And I, I get that, but I don't think it's completely bizarro. Eli Manning and John Elway had more leverage, but they forced their way to another team. The only thing that scares me about my idea, Caleb, is that Hendon Hooker, as viewed by the NFL, is not an elite NFL talent. Or he would go in the first 10 picks of, of the draft, right? He's yeah. not – we may – Differ, you may differ, but right now they don't view him as an elite NFL talent. Elway and Manning had more leverage. I don't I doubt, doubt that. I think the biggest pitfall in my idea, I'm going to poke at my own idea, is that Hendon Hooker could get blackballed from the NFL. I think that happened to a large extent for way different reasons for Colin Kaepernick. So, could he, if he sat that year, which he's not going to do, I realize this is all hypothetical, but if he sat that year, would all NFL owners look at him like, hey, jerk, you had an opportunity last year. What are you doing? I'm not going to, I'm not going to take you. That's the one major pitfall that scares me in my idea. Yeah, it's. Hendon Hooker doesn't have this leverage because he was the third pick. And here's the thing. NFL owners don't want to set this precedent at all. And so, and Hendon Hooker is not a player for any of them worth setting that precedent for. So you're right. I mean, the thing about the NFL, we have to bring this up because we all, because you're right. For different reasons, Colin Kaepernick was blackballed. Also for different reasons, Tim Tebow was blackballed. And it would happen to Hendon Hooker. But here's the thing. What do Colin Kaepernick, Tim Tebow, and Hendon Hooker have in common? None of them were good enough for the distractions they would, that for not Hendon Hooker, but Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick. Neither one of them was good enough for the distractions they brought. Okay, so let me let me agree with you and argue against me. Lamar Jackson was good enough, and the rest of the teams in the NFL colluded. They're not going to say so, but they colluded not to sign him to a huge guaranteed contract. He ended up getting one with the Ravens last week, but nobody was going to sign him because they didn't want to follow up the Deshaun Watson contract that was fully guaranteed. And a lot of teams can't fully guarantee contracts because you have to put the money in an escrow and it's vested. So that way, if you were to sell the team, if Jimmy Haslam sells the team in Cleveland, they still have to pay Deshaun Watson because the money's there. So th- we've seen them do it, and I think they did it with Lamar Jackson. They wanted him to stay in Baltimore. Nobody wanted to give him, what, a $260 million guaranteed contract like Watson got? Yeah. So, no, you're, you're, you're right. And I, I certainly think that m- my argument has that major pitfall but I think it's at least worth thinking about in the immediate hours or two after the draft. Um, I don't. And let's look at. Let's just talk about you know changing leadership for a minute. Let's take Tennessee for example. Big Jim kind of moves a bit to the back. Jimmy Haslam becomes to the forefront as the main booster for Tennessee, and look what happens to the program. Tennessee fans finally revolt. Jimmy Haslam is kind of. He's not, he's a booster, so he's not forced out, but they've basically taken power back from him over the last two years. And hey, look at that. Football's finding success again. I'm saying when incompetent people are running your program or franchise, when they get out of the way, you have a chance to be successful. And I think Detroit is out from under the 50 year thumb of the incompetent owner who ran them. I hope so. 
I hope so. Uh, Smokey says, what a story it would be for Hooker to win a championship for Detroit, especially considering the issue he had with his heart a couple of years ago. This kid, I mean, everything stacked against him. You had the heart issue. You had Justin Fuente, who basically threw him under the bus. I don't know if you read those quotes, Caleb, that he didn't like playing in the cold, which was just absolutely silly. He has the ACL injury. Uh, He has to overcome Milton before that at Tennessee. So... This guy's overcome a lot. Can he overcome the Detroit Lions? Possibly, and I certainly hope so for his sake. The rest of the balls, where they went, four downs is now. Good fit or not, four downs. Brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. We'll get to the free agents as well, but let's go to four downs and get Caleb Calhoun's thoughts on these cats, the other four that were drafted. First, Darnell Wright to the Bears that we talked about last week at number 10. I think that's a great pick. You can be a Hall of Fame offensive tackle, even with average to bad quarterback play, which they may have. Love it. Huge for the program. I would imagine you agree. Yes, yes. This is a great, great pick for the program. And Darnell Wright is also a great pick for the Bears. We can question the fit, but I think that's more... Sometimes fit is not about whether or not you're a fit, but whether or not the franchise in general is anywhere decent. And I just don't know right stuck blocking for Justin Fields. But again, I think, I think offensive linemen are pretty much immune to the, to the uh, competency of franchises. Agreed. Uh, so we both give Darnell Wright a thumbs up to the bears, Jalen Hyatt to the giants. What do you think of the fit there? Thumbs up, I mean, thumbs down. I I actually think it's a good fit because of what the Giants need. I think Jalen Hyatt is going to a good situation because the Giants are a team that are going to be really – and they were desperate for a vertical threat for Daniel Jones. And they are – whether or not you believe in Daniel Jones, you know the Giants are going to be fully invested in trying to make Jalen Hyatt work. Yep, I agree. I think it's a great fit. That was second down. Uh, Four downs brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Go to AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Sign up right there. Save thousands or tens of thousands on your next home. 40 years of experience in Knoxville. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Andy is fantastic. He's my realtor. He should be yours. Best prices, best service in the biz. Cedric Tillman to the Browns. I don't know whether to give this one a thumbs up or thumbs down because I Deshaun Watson wasn't great last year. I don't know how good he was expected to be after his suspension, but Deshaun Watson has been through so much. He could be, and it's through his own doing. I'm not defending him. Okay. But it's, he could be, his career could be shell shocked and never recover. I don't know. I, I think it's a bad fit. I mean, one, they have this loaded wide receiver room. One Cleveland doesn't know what they're doing. I just talked about Jimmy Haslam. Like, it's so incompetent. They like, have you seen the wide receiver room? Elijah Moore, they brought in. You're going to love this, Dave, to trigger you. Amari Cooper's there. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones. I think they're throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I feel so. Cedric, my condolences. If anybody needs to, like, say, I'm not playing, <laughs> if anybody needs to pull out and go into the draft another year, Cedric, it's you, bud. Don't go to Cleveland. Heed my so, warning. Don't do it. So Don't he's do your. It. He's your sit guy. 
Um, but my guy's hooker. But and again, we're, we're having a little fun with this. Nobody's going to sit out being picked in the top three rounds of the NFL draft. Uh, but Byron Young to the Rams, fourth down, good fit or not? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Caleb Calhoun, what say you? Sir? Best fit. This thing is amazing. <laughs> Like, go ahead, go ahead. You you continue. I think it's a great fit. I think it arguably is the best fit of anyone, with the exception of a guy named Princeton Fant, which we'll get to. Go ahead. Yeah, he gets to light up next to Aaron Donald. Do you know how awesome that is for him? Like, he doesn't even have to. He's going to want to develop, but even when he's raw, he's going to be able to be effective. This is when Kyle Vandenbosch got the great honor of being able to line up next to Albert Hainsworth for the Titans. <laughs> He, Kyle Vandenbosch made the Pro Bowl one year <laughs> just because Albert Hainsworth took all the attention. This is Will Overstreet getting to go to the NFL because he got to play next to John Henderson and Albert Hainsworth. <laughs> no, yeah, I, uh, but. no I, I think it's a fantastic fit. Um, the one thing I would wonder is Sean McVay has flirted with early retirement and then you're suddenly in a different direction. That's the head coach of the Rams. But as long as he's there, uh, throughout Byron Young's beginning of his career, uh, the genesis of his career, first two, three years, I think they're in great shape. And you know the Rams, too. If Byron Young ends up being one of the pieces of building them back to a Super Bowl champion, what they're going to do is they're going to mortgage the future and they're going to go out and get free agents and try to make a run and win another Super Bowl. So I – I, I love that fit. When I saw that, I was like, "That that is absolutely fantastic. I can't think of a better fit, except maybe Princeton fan to the Cowboys, which we will get to. So uh, of, of those group, of those four, that was fourth down. I mean, I do love that fit. Uh, four downs. So out of that group, who will have the most success? Wright, Hyatt, Tillman, Young. Make your prediction right now. And right now, I'll get or long term. Uh, long term, ten years. When we're having this discussion, rate so them in order. Rate, right. them in, rate them in order because, because listen, you can be an incredible player. Listen, if Archie Manning is drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in, instead of Terry Brad, Bradshaw, excuse me, Archie Manning wins four Super Bowls. I he believe that. Six. Yeah, I believe that firmly. So where you go can affect your long term future. No question. So out of that group, long-term future, given their fit in their current team, who do you like the most? Well, so number one is obviously still Darnell Wright, just because as we talked about, there's no – it's not even a team. Wherever he goes, he's just going to be a superstar in the NFL. After Darnell Wright, I would maybe say – I'm down to two people. I mean, I'm down to I'm down to all but Cedric Tillman. So, uh, quite honestly, let's. <laughs> but I would probably say I probably go Byron Young. I probably would. I would. Too. I would. You know, I would it's. Too. I mean, I I, I could play devil's advocate for funsies like Stephen A. Smith does, but I'm not going to do that. I um... but let's keep let's let's bring this up. Let's talk about how good Hooker situation and the reason I was hesitant for this. Golf has a two year deal left. He has two years left on his deal. That's perfect for Hooker. He can sit behind Jared Goff for two years and then start in 2025. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I get it. I know what I'm saying is crazy, Caleb. I know it. <laughs> but I just 
I hate to see it for Hendon Hooker, and I hope you're right. I hope she is the best GM uh, in the history. Or, I'm sorry, owner, but she's running the team, right? Yeah, but she hired. Luckily, she hired a GM and is staying out of the way, unlike Dan Snyder. Yeah. Okay. I hope that's the case. I hope you're absolutely right. Hit the like button. We appreciate that. If you haven't subscribed yet, do so. And uh, over a couple thousand subscribers now, we've got a lofty goal in mind, and um, we're not going to share it necessarily, but we want to we, we want to hit a goal by the end of the year. We want you to be a part of it, and we want you to uh, go ahead and tell some friends that we're live every day at 10 a.m. on YouTube and on all podcast platforms. And coming up, we're going to break down some of the free agents. And my question for you, maybe a VFL, but will you root for Jeremy Banks? Stay tuned. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This is Off Book Sports. And Craving Wings South North Shore location, where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'll just do six in my sauce, 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craving Wings and get you seis más. But what was funny about Cadiz, we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. But now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's, we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now i got to do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadiz today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment with a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Who? a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. There, I think there's a debate on the message board about Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson is the most physically gifted receiver I've ever seen in my life. That being said, Jerry Rice, in my opinion, is the best receiver ever. Randy Moss is certainly right there with the most gifted receiver I've ever seen in my life. But 
I just don't know what Calvin Johnson would have been because he never had a great quarterback to throw to, even at uh, Georgia Tech. And uh, this from Hoghead, perhaps the Bucks can get good and Banks can ruin a magical season out of personal greed. Ouch. Maybe. <laughs> well, Tom Brady right there, maybe Jeremy Banks will even more so expect to make more money than the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and, and I didn't say greatest receiver ever. That is Jerry Rice, no question. But greatest talent I've ever seen. I can't imagine if Calvin Johnson were much younger and went to the Niners in the 80s. Dave, I mean, I'm disappointed in you saying Jerry Rice, and I'll tell you why. I do believe in I was it one the the 49ers won two Super Bowls before Jerry Rice got there. And oh, he was on those teams. No, he no the first two Super Bowls they won they they didn't have Jerry Rice. It was Montana, Dwight Clark, and things like that. But more notably, like he was lucky enough to be a system player and probably the most cutting edge offense of all time. Let me ask you this. You need a play. You need one play to get a first down to win the game or to keep a drive alive. You want Jerry Rice or Michael Irvin? Who do you want in your foxhole? Um, well, that's tough. Uh, for, for the record, I looked it up. We were both wrong. Jerry Rice won three Super Bowls. Okay, so, so he missed the first. Well, that that no, because because he won. Yeah, but San Francisco won five. Remember, they won two with Montana without Rice, then two with Montana with Rice, and then one with Steve Young with Rice. Right. So he won. Are we saying he won? He won two with Montana. Yeah, I'm won, saying that I'm saying Montana won two before Rice got there. Okay. Um. Well, it reminds you of how good Joe Montana was. I I think yes, that was a system thing, but I think Jerry Rice was. The guy who got, uh, if you remember, Taylor on the other side, got that, uh, got him open a lot. He made Brent Jones a tight end and, and who was average into a really good player. I mean, they were loaded, don't get me wrong, and there was a system. But I, I, I just don't think Jerry Ross was coverable. Now, Calvin Johnson, to me, had more physical ability, maybe than other Randy, other than Randy Moss of anybody I've ever seen. But, uh, yeah, so three Super Bowls, I stand corrected. I think Jerry Rice is pretty darn good. I think Jerry Rice, hot take, here we go, was the Royal Anthony of the 49ers. He was to the 49ers what Royal Anthony was to Florida. Reedell Anthony. Reedell, sorry, I said Roydell. Why don't I, why did I say Roydell? Yeah, Reedell. <laughs> Reedell. Excuse me. Brain lapse, brain lapse, brain lapse. Reedell Anthony. Yes. It happens. It's it happens. It's a Monday morning. All right. So uh we we have it uh on good authority that Jay Rice won uh three Super Bowls. So all right. Uh another good fit. Um I, I want to ask you about four guys before we get to the Jeremy Banks situation. And it's brought to you by crafttreats.com. Crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the hook. That's the promo code off the hook, and you get 20% off your order. They've got the chill pills that will help your pet with, well, basically almost everything. Digestive issues, arthritis, also with anxiety. That is crafttreats.com. They've got non CBD treats as well. Use the promo code off the hook, get 20% off. Okay, so the four. Undrafted free agents, Jerome Carvin to the Chiefs. I'll just go ahead and say it. That is an incredible fit. You you are a solid offensive lineman. You go to the Super Bowl champion. You go to an incredibly run franchise. 
congratulations, Jerome Carvin. You're better off going there than getting drafted in the seventh round to a team like, I don't know, the Lions. Yes, and you're reunited with Trey Smith, which is huge. And don't think this for a second, by the way. I know this because I've seen patterns. Don't think that NFL franchises fall in love with players from schools where they have found steals from that specific school. So, if I mean, the, the franchises do that all the time. Look at the Saints. They got a steal with Alvin Kamara, and they have consistently gone after undervalued Vols ever since then, despite three new head coaches since that time. Franchises do that all the time. The Bills used to do it with Tennessee, like religiously. And I think you're going to see that with the Chiefs because Trey Smith worked out so well for them. Well, and uh, I'm having a Monday moment. So, And then there was um, uh, continually – uh, the Oh, Eagles. The Eagles have drafted Georgia players. That's not a bad move either. So they found a little thread there. That's why you want these guys to go ahead and have great success because they'll continue to be valued maybe a little bit higher. Future guys inflated just a little bit more. And I think that was the case at times with Tennessee in the 90s. Guys went a little higher than they would have because they were at Tennessee. You're seeing that now with I believe the uh, Georgia Bulldogs uh, headed on to the Eagles. All right, Latrell Bumpus to the Giants. I'm not going to pretend to know they're too deep on uh, the front of their defensive line, but I think Latrell Bumpus can uh, be three, four-year player in the NFL. I, I don't know his upside necessarily. I don't know that it's incredibly high. You, thoughts? Yeah, I I think this is – this is going to be solely about Latrell Bumpus and how much he can develop. You know, it's I, – I, I'm not going to pretend to know much about the Giants' defensive line depth either. I do know that the Giants are probably not the most well-run franchise right now in the NFL. And there is a legitimate argument that can be made that maybe for the first time ever, the Jets are the best-run NFL team in New York. Dare I say? Maybe. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Paxton Brooks, punter, Tennessee, goes to the Colts. Good news is he'll have a chance to punt a lot. <laughs> well played. Well played. He's got some competition. I think uh, Rigoberto Sanchez is the starting punter right now for the Colts, if I'm not mistaking. But he's had some health issues in the past. Cancer's health issues. So we wish him the best, obviously. Yes. But... Yes, I, I think Paxton Brooks is. It's not a bad situation. I don't know if the bets one though. By the way, Jim Irsay is absolutely nuts. By the way, yeah, he is. Travis, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Jim Irsay, um, when they drafted uh, Peyton Manning, did a media tour through Tennessee, and this is in 1998 to drum up interest in Tennessee fans for the Colts. And I, the the uh, the host that was regularly the host, I was just a young young man out of um, Tennessee, my first year in the media. And he said, hey, Jim Irsay is going to come by. Can you interview him? And I was nervous, Caleb, to interview a guy that ill right out of college. Fortunately, he showed up loaded. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, 10 a.m. interview, and the guy was clearly intoxicated. Oh, I don't God. know on what, but he had his issues later. I hope everything's fine. But, yes, he is. His father had an alcohol problem, too, didn't he, Bob? Really bad, yeah. Called out some people. But I think it's painkillers with uh, the younger one. But, anyway, we hope he, he gets that work out, worked out. And then one of the best free agent pickups in Tennessee football history, 
Princeton fan to the Cowboys, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to tell you why with a little bit of Cowboys insight. They wanted a tight end in the first round to be able to stretch the field. They have Jeff Schultz, who is a tight end who cannot stretch the field, but is a pretty good pass catcher underneath. So Princeton fan shows up and he says, hey, I can block. I can catch. Which do you want me to do? And then Schultz can do the other. Okay, so which Fant can show up and either spell Schultz. So Fant's going to make the team. I will go ahead and tell you, Fant's going to make the team. Uh, Schultz can can either be the blocker or he can be the pass receiver, whichever Princeton Fant is not as good as when he shows up. That is a monstrously good fit. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I actually agree. And I also think that, I think the move, this is one of those moves that if the Cowboys thought he was going to get drafted, they would have drafted him. The, the only reason he's undrafted is because they knew nobody else was going to draft him. They felt pretty safe signing him as an undrafted free agent, but I'm pretty sure they would have used a six or seventh round pick if they felt they had to, to get him. And the Cowboys have a pretty, again, uh, you know, history with programs. Cowboys have a pretty good history with overlooked tight ends. From yeah. Princeton. There's some guy seems like his name was uh kitten mitten smitten. Oh, Jason <laughs> Witten. Maybe, maybe that was the guy. Okay, so Jeremy Banks. Jeremy Banks strikes a chord. Jeremy Banks should strike a chord. Uh, Jeremy Banks goes to the Bucks. So, is Jeremy Banks a VFL? Will you root for Jeremy Banks after what happened in the Columbia collapse of 2022? When he was a big part of it, when he missed a practice the Monday or a, an, a, a team function um, a Monday before the South Carolina game. And then there was an altercation with Joe Milton um, because Hendon Hooker, I was told that it had to do with stepping on the T, which Banks was just basically reacting to the fact that he might be suspended on Saturday, that he was in trouble. And I think the entire defense felt they were overlooked because the offense was so good. Nevertheless, by all accounts, Jeremy Banks acted selfishly and out of line. And that led to the Columbia collapse. Will you root for him? Should Tennessee fans root for him? No. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you exactly why. How he responded in the in, at, at the pro day interviews about it, or it was it was at the pro day or the combine where he was like, I, "There was no reason for me to not be out there with my brothers and my teammates with South Carolina." Basically, all but saying Josh Heupel did him dirty, keeping him out of that game, and that he wanted to go to battle with his brothers. If you wanted to go to battle with your brothers, you shouldn't be breaking trying to break their face in the weeks leading up to practice, and you shouldn't have to have a quarterback, another quarterback, hold you back from fighting them, and you shouldn't be skipping practice in November when a college football playoff berth is on the line. I'm sorry. Jeremy Banks has no remorse for what he did. Totally thinks that he was in the right. Cost Tennessee a shot at the playoff. Yeah. I don't, I mean, and, and by the way, this is why he wasn't drafted. He would have been a fifth to seventh round pick. Let's be honest. And Dave, you and I know this as well as anybody. I don't need any source to tell me this. I just know straight up Josh Heupel sandbagged him at the pro day interviews and pulled the scouts to the side and said like, and told every dirty detail about Jeremy Banks. I don't think that's sandbagging. I think that's being honest. When I say, you're right. I don't mean sandbagging in a negative way. I think Heupel straight up 
had no problem saying everything negative about Jeremy Binks and was the reason Jeremy Binks wasn't drafted because I think everybody heard what Heupel, I think a lot of scouts heard what Heupel said about Jeremy Binks. And he did it to himself, and I'm totally team. I'm totally pro Josh Heupel doing that, by the way. Okay, so you won't root for him, um, and you don't think Tennessee fans should root for him. I'm going to say that you, you should root for him because in three years, the average, not Tennessee fan, but the average NFL fan, the average, more importantly, prospect that is in high school, watches Jeremy Banks, and he says, man, that guy didn't even get drafted. Now he's a pro bowler in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be. But if he is, then that just helps Tennessee. All of this comes down to what you should care about, other than your emotional feelings about these players. You should root for them to all do well because it helps Tennessee in recruiting. I'll tell you why it, it will not help Tennessee. And you want me to tell you why? Okay. All right. I'm interested. I'm basing this off what you've told me, by the way. You told me about how Fulmer sandbagged Jason Witten. And that was a sandbag, like an unfair sandbag, where he just threw him under the bus because he was mad that he didn't come back for his senior year. And there is no doubt in my mind that Jason Witten going on to be successful in the NFL killed Fulmer's credibility with recruiting. And I think it became, I think oh. it came out. So if Heupel, who I think had everything to do with Jeremy Banks not getting drafted, if Jerry Banks is successful and goes to the Pro Bowl, it's going to words going to get out like, "Hey, man, this guy was undrafted because what Heupel said about him, and look at how good he is." What do you think he's going to say about you? Man, that's a good argument, Caleb. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while, and that may be maybe the best argument you've ever had. I Okay, but if he's wrong on one guy, if Heupel ends up being wrong on one guy, I think both of you think both of us think that the chances are Jeremy Banks is going to continue his jerkitude in the pros and not be a great pro, right? Do we yeah. both agree on that? Okay, he, by the way, he has severe limitations physically already. So, I mean, just on yes. the field. I, I think if you're Josh Heupel and you're and you're one in ten of being wrong about guys. When you talk to scouts, I think you're okay, but you do bring up a great point. If he goes on to be uh, the, the next great linebacker, then yes, then that makes Hypo not look so great. But I don't think that's going to happen. Travis says he wasn't that good to begin with. How good was he in in retrospect? If you want to go back two years ago, if you want to go back to 2021, coming out of that season, I thought he was on the verge of being a playmaker. Maybe not superstar, but star, standout in the SEC. He wasn't. He wasn't even the best linebacker on his team. Beasley was. So how good is he just as a player? Forget about as a dude and as a teammate. Um, how good is he? And J. Mac Vall says, how do you know Heupel said negative things about Banks based, uh, uh, based off speculation? Well, we don't. We don't know. But if he was honest based off what we've reported and feel solid about it. And Jimmy Himes was on the program and reported too. If he was just honest, then he didn't, he didn't have anything great to say about him about the South Carolina thing. So anyone from being invited to the combine to not being drafted, which, and actually being on the all combine team, which suggests that during the pro day interviews, somebody said something about him. Yes. And he came across as bad, which you, which you pointed out earlier. So, um, I, hard for me to it's hard for me to think poorly of someone that that did give their all so to speak but 
How good is Jeremy Banks just as a player in your mind? I think Jeremy Banks is a very good run stopper, but I think he's very situational. And so he can never be a, he can never be a starter in the NFL linebacker. It's not going to happen. He's so, I said this when I was still defending his character. I thought he had turned a corner after the arrest. I was wrong. But even when I thought he had, I was very, very suspicious of him as as a pro prospect because of how awful he was in pass coverage. I mean, he gave up a touchdown to Pittsburgh early last year. He, the way he got lost in coverage was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen for a linebacker. So I think that Jeremy Banks is, he's a run stopper and that's it. And he can, and he can, he, he's athletic enough to where if a coach says, Hey, run through the, the gap's going to be in this part of the line and run through that gap. He can do it. Yeah, he's also to some extent a sideline to sideline run stopper. I think he has the physical ability of that. So sometimes when we say run stoppers, we kind of think like a Mike Singletary who plays between the tackles. I do think he can get sideline to sideline. I question his coverage ability. And of course, it's uh, very fair to question his character. And in this NFL, linebackers have to be able to cover. They've spread the field so much now. Yeah. I mean, how's he going to do against... uh, Amendola or one of these slot guys that are that are all over you and finding holes in zones and that are incredibly athletic, quick, shifty. Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive, it's worth the drive. Bassey Lawn and Garden, whether you're in Nashville, Knoxville, or Chattanooga, they're in Cleveland, Tennessee. They've got your industrial mowers, they've got your commercial mowers, and they also have residential mowers. If you're restocking the fleet for your business or perhaps you are starting up a new business, Bassy Lawn and Garden, go to Bassy.com. That's Bassy.com, and you will be well taken care of as their buying power will save you thousands and thousands of dollars. That's Bassy Lawn and Garden, Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Travis says, we know he was never an Al Wilson. (laughs) That's so blasphemous to even bring Al Wilson up. (laughs) There's like like 100 linebackers between Al Wilson and Jeremy Banks. Maybe 500 Tennessee linebackers between Al Wilson and Jeremy Banks. Orange Blood, thank you, sir. Like, share, and subscribe. Do that. Big crew on board already. So glad to see that. Now, the most clutch Tennessee player of all time. Why do I ask this? Because I'm going to tell you who it is next. And the guy who's most likely to do a Steph Curry, who dropped 50 in game seven. Most clutch ball of all time. I'm just going to tell you it is in my lifetime. Right after this. I know you like the heat. you got to try my signature sauce, 87. Dude, you know I love you, and I love to try your wing sauce. But when it comes to wings, I need them really hot. I hit 105 on the radar gun. I need to be pretty spicy. Yeah, I know that, man. Look, if sauce 87 isn't enough for you, I guess you can try the Holy Moses or the Grim Reaper. Mmm, now we're talking. Take it from these Farragut admirals. When you're craving wings, it's got to be Craven Wings. Visit them online at cravenwings.com. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment, like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. 
Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's repair. Before Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. We're not going to talk NBA basketball. Other than to tell you that Steph Curry had 50 points in Game 7... That's clutch, clutch, clutch. Almost single-handedly carried the Warriors across the finish line as they beat the Sacramento Kings. They'll play the Lakers next. So it makes me want to ask you this question because that's as clutch as they come. Who's the most clutch ball of all time? Or at least in our lifetimes. I'm not going to ask you to go back and uh, do digging on... Uh, Condridge Holloway or Gene McKeever or McEver, excuse me, um, whoever. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Uh, Johnny Majors. I mean, that's before a lot of our times. And clutch is not something you can really put in the numbers and that sort of thing. But Dewey Warren, the Swamp Rat, gets a shout out for the Blue Bonnet Bowl, Rose Bonnet Bowl. Who's the most clutch player that you've ever seen at Tennessee? I'm going to tell you who it is, Caleb. So you, you kind of one-up me here a couple of times today. You've been on top of it. I'm going to tell you who it is, but I'm going to let you go first. Ask some ideas on who you're going to go, and I will dismantle them when you get there. And so, oh! <laughs> so the most clutch fall of all time, and I got a lot of names for this, and it's tough for me, but it's Peerless Price. It's Peerless Price. Pretty good. It's Look at how many touchdowns, look at how many times he scored the go-ahead touchdown in the 98 season, including twice against Syracuse, once against Florida. Um, He had the kickoff return against Alabama to break the game open. Against every ranked team that year, Peerless Price had a touchdown. That It's Peerless Price. It's Peerless Price. It's not close. Okay, so here, here we go. 
Um, we've got Joey Kent never dropped anything. We've got uh, Jawan Jennings was great too. The catch against Georgia to beat them at Athens. But he Jennings, was a dog. Was good. He he was he was. Also, had the girl had touchdown against Florida the week before. Yep. Be sure and hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't at this point. Who? Where do you think I, I'm curious? Where do you think I'm going? Jeff Hall, I, super clutch. So is James Wilhoyt. Sorry, that was the message board. Go ahead. Oh, no, Jeff Hall was incredibly clutch. And I've never asked Fred White, what went into electing him the team captain? I've never heard of a kicker elected team captain like he was in 98. Neither uh, have I. But yeah, Hall was clutch. I think you're going to go to, because it's very common for Tennessee. And I, I understand your point, but I want to dismantle it if you go here. But are you going to go Casey Clawson? No question. It's Casey Clawson, the Iceman on the road. He wins an SEC championship, if not for mistakes by um, Travis Stevens, Dante Stallworth. It is Casey Clawson wins on the road. Just that great. I'm telling you, it's Casey Clawson. Uh, there's never been a better road quarterback than Casey Clawson. Well, maybe if you want to say T. Martin, um, just because of winning a championship, winning at Syracuse and and what they did in that 98 season. But it's it's Casey Clawson, and it's not close. Here's your flaw with Casey Clawson. Casey Clawson, if you need a play and you're in the game, I agree. Casey Clawson, fourth and 19 against Alabama. Like that's still the, I still can't believe he converted that. Of course, Mike Shula may have called the worst defense in the history of defense. And that you remember that defense, he called that two man rush with a soft zone and three quarterbacks and spy. You're spying Casey Clawson. You know, he's not running for a first down on fourth and 19. (laughs) Great. Um, But against Auburn that year, there was a fourth and 13, but here's the flaw with Casey Clawson. And this was very common when he was at at Tennessee, when when it was a back and forth game, he was going to be clutch in the M. If the game ever got a little bit out of hand, though, and you felt it was going to slip away from Tennessee, Casey Clawson could never re-rally the troops. And so to give you an example of that was 2003 Georgia, the Sean Jones 99-yard fumble return, maybe the most infamous play in Tennessee football history. You were covering that game, I'm guessing, Dave, right? Yes, I was there. Yeah, it was bizarre. I still can't believe that play happened. I can't either. And because Tennessee was about to score, go in up one. Instead, they're down 20-7 to at halftime. That team folded in the second half, and uh, I'm sorry. That's that's on Casey Clawson. You don't let your team fold the way he let them fold. They quit after that fumble because they were so demoralized. If you're going to go quarterbacks, that I think we're actually may have, and that and clut, that that's part of being clutch, staying level headed when that when 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 the snowball starts. See, I think Andy Kelly has Casey Clawson beaten that category. Andy Kelly was a guy when the snowball was rolling against you, he wasn't quitting, and he could rally the troops like nobody's business at Tennessee. Well, no, nobody's perfect, but Andy Kelly, the year before, I believe it was 91, the year before the miracle at South Bend, he did throw an interception late against Notre Dame in Neyland Stadium that cost Tennessee the game, and he admits that he should have put more air under the ball. He threw an interception on the final drive as they were going in for a score. So well, nobody threw an interception on an out route at Auburn in 03. Right. Nobody's perfect. I mean, nobody's perfect. Yes. But as far as I guess maybe that, but then Andy Kelly goes and leads them to a win at Notre Dame. So, um, I, I mean, I like, back. Oh, it's it was unbelievable. Um, sorry, buddy, but I just think it's Clawson. And also, let's not forget some of these wins that Clawson gets credit for. Okay, the Miami game. 
Casey Clawson had nothing to do. The, the reason Casey Clawson gets credit for that w- game is because he didn't turn the ball over. That was a Trent Dilfer win if I've ever seen one in college football. That might Clawson's Miami True. game. He didn't win that game. The Florida game of 2001. Okay, I know people give Clawson credit, and he was very methodical and poised in that game. That was Travis Stevens. That was Travis Stevens in the offensive line, and Florida could not get a stop. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know how Tennessee ran down their throats like they did in that game. But that was that was all mostly Travis Stevens. The- and and we, and guy criticized a lot. We have to give John Chavis credit for coming up with the Prowler package. Oh yeah. yes, yes, that's right. Now where Clawson was clutch, I will say where it stuck out was. Must have been, what, his second start? They're playing South Carolina. Lou Holtz on the road in 2000, and Clawson leads a late game-winning drive, like a long 14-minute drive, or 10-minute drive that was incredible for Tennessee to win that game. So Clawson definitely had his clutch moments, and I've always felt Casey was one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in Tennessee history. I just felt he had a bad habit of when when the snowball started, he had trouble reversing it. I thought it was that way with 2002, the Florida, the rain-soaked swamp game. He had trouble with that. He let the Alabama game get away from them that year, the 34 to 14 Alabama game. He let the Miami game get away from them. And then in 2003, he did almost see the comeback to Auburn, but then he let the Georgia game get away. And then his final game, the Peach Bowl, I mean, he let that one get away from him. And so I just think that it's not the losing, it's look, Peyton Manning had this problem too when he was in college. By the way, underrated clutch quarterback. Everyone says he's not clutch. Go look at that SEC title game. But it just seemed like when the snowball started on Peyton Manning, it started. It, 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 if it rained, it poured. Well, I have trouble saying that Peyton's not clutch. Um, he's somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's 100% clutch. I think he did. I think the entire program got tight against Florida, but that'll always hang over him. So, fine. Let that hang over him. But like you said, with I was at that Auburn game just sitting in the stands, and that was incredibly clutch. It felt like the Tennessee was going to lose that game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, but who would you have other than Casey Clawson in, let's say, the the, the former era, the f- former post-era since that point? I you've mean, got, I mean, you're going what you're going way back, okay, to late 80s. Well, I did say that. I did say Peerless Price. That's the former era. Okay, no, you're right. I forgot you said peerless price. I'll give you yeah. peerless price. Yeah, he's pretty I mean, good. I'll tell you the other guy that's n- never considered clutch is Dwayne Goodrich, the guy that went to the coaches and they didn't have one cornerback that would follow a receiver. Some teams do that. Some teams don't. Some teams like to stay with your cornerbacks on either uh-huh. the boundary side or the or the short side of the field, and and other teams just keep you on the right side no matter what. Dwayne Goodrich went to them, went to Tennessee's coaching staff and said, I want Peter Warwick. And Dwayne Goodrich, did anybody have a great year, a great game against him in 98? Not that I can no. recall. No, no. So at all. we don't think of cornerbacks as clutch, but really that's if you think about it, you have to be the most clutch because if you give up one play out of a hundred, that could change the whole game. Well, that's it's it's yeah. I mean, if we're going to go, I mean, secondary in general, Deion Grant was clutch. That interception against Florida in '98. I mean, Florida's going in there. That's a touchdown if Deion Grant doesn't make that play. It was slightly underthrown by Jesse Palmer. Yes, but De- I mean, you agree, right? That's a touchdown if Deion Grant doesn't get in the way. I think it's the greatest play in Neyland Stadium history. Like he saved 
Yeah, he saved Tennessee. And don't forget the next year. Remember at Florida, Deion Grant got another interception that should have set up Tennessee for a win, and Martin couldn't close the job, close the deal. Should and we be talking about Hendon Hooker in this conversation? Hendon Hooker was, I mean, last year the Pittsburgh, and I know we know the Alabama game, but that Pittsburgh game, that was clutch. And he was clutch in the Music City Bowl, even though they lost. I mean, we could talk about Josh Dobbs. Let's just forget Josh Dobbs, like in like a second start as a sophomore, led Tennessee back from a 14-point deficit with four minutes to go at South Carolina. Then he leads him back from a 21-point deficit against Georgia the next year. Then against Florida in 2016, he has a 21-point deficit that he leads him back from. And the next week, he leads him back to a Hail Mary to beat Georgia. I mean, that was clutch. I can't, I can't go Dobbs on clutch because, to me, you have to be knocking on the door of a championship. Okay. At least not. So I'll take Hooker because they were knocking on the door of making the college football playoff. So if if I had a rate it, I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, – I'm. I'm glad, Travis, you brought up Hendon Hooker because if Hendon Hooker had a little bit more games under his belt in college, I think he'd right, be right there in my mind with Hendon Hooker. If, if for instance, he couldn't go to the NFL and he were in the, he were playing for Tennessee for one more year, we, I might have changed my mind. But right now, I'm Casey Clawson, your peerless price. But I think another season, another couple of clutch games, we're talking about Hendon Hooker being that type of guy. He just didn't play enough because of the transfer and then not having the job in year one to Joe Milton. Yeah, no, you're right. He, he didn't. I just, I, I still would be going peerless though. I, I can, that 98 guys go back and look at the stats or not. Look at when peerless price scored his touchdowns in 98. Every one of them was either a lead changing touchdown or one to give Tennessee a one score or two go from a one score to a two score lead against a ranked team. Like, well, don't forget, don't forget the Florida state, defensive back was wrapped around him in that national championship touchdown catch. I mean, yes. I still remember I did that. I didn't think when that ball was in the air coming down, I was like, Oh, he's covered that. That's not going to be completed. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And not only did he catch it, but he had the wherewithal to get away from him. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han, look at me. I'm not wearing glasses. I'm not wearing contacts. It's awesome. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han has local doctors that will perform LASIK that will perform cataract surgery and just your regular annual visits at their vision center. They are phenomenal. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. You will absolutely love them. And again, they're local. It is time for every once in a while, we have to shine the spotlight on a guy that just went completely dumb for a moment what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hose. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. What the H today brought to you by Zulbeer. XULBeer.com. Zulbeer.com. And I'm telling you what. Worldwide award-winning craft beer, great place to park downtown with panoramic views of Knoxville. What in the world was a Georgia player saying, streaming during the draft? Uh, give us some background. If you can, Caleb Calhoun, because we both saw the story. We've talked about it. It wasn't great. You, you, give, give, give everybody some background who hasn't heard it yet. So Jamal Jarrett, a four-star recruit in Georgia's 2023 class. I believe he's already in the program. I think he took part in spring ball. Don't quote me on that, but I think he did. 
live streamed the NFL draft the other day. And as a Georgia guy, he's a defensive lineman. He was naturally calling for the Falcons to draft Jalen Carter because the Falcons were on the clock. And so he's live streaming. He's like, hey, draft Jalen Carter. Okay, all seems good so far. There was a there was a person of Asian descent. All seems good so far usually means things are going to go south. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Um, a person of Asian descent was reading out the this draft pick on the clock. And he decides to say, Jalen Carter, come on, Asian. Ching chong. And for, I, I, I'm saying that quoting him, guys. I just want yes, that to yes. be clear. This is really disturbing. Now, let me be let me be upfront and say this. We've all said he's 18. We've all said stupid stuff at 18. I'm not going to condemn him right now. I am going to pay attention to how Kirby Smart addresses this. I'm going to also pay attention to if he does something like this in the future. And I certainly said some absolutely stupid things when I was 18 years old. And I don't want to be judged by that. I said, I'm sure I said things that yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, you know, really not in, in, in terms of race so much because I, I did have black friends and that to me was never a thing. Um, but I probably said things that were insensitive, just not in a, a public forum. And I got into actually broadcast and got into radio at 24. And, you know, even then before our culture of wokeness, I knew that you just don't say certain things about people. And to me, it is, it is also a little bit short-sighted for him to be streaming because my, my son is big into the gamers that stream. And one streamer had like 5 million subscribers or whatever it was. And he thought it would be funny at a convention to stream walking in stream, walking into the restroom and he lost his YouTube channel. They canceled him. Boom. It was all gone. And okay. So the streaming thing, Caleb and I know because we've got broadcast experience. It's the same thing. If, if you get caught in a snafu as if you're on ESPN, if you're on here. People will say, uh, that Dave uh, said something insensitive. So I think that Kirby Smart is not going to address it publicly, but I would certainly use this as an example. In some ways, this could help Georgia because it's not a monstrous thing. It's not as big as a Caucasian, frankly, using a terrible African-American slur, which I think would be worse. But... It is something that I would I would sit my team down and I would say, listen, you stream this stuff, you tweet this stuff, you, anybody can see it and it's on your record forever because there's no pulling it back. So I think it actually could end up being a good thing for Georgia if Kirby Smart handles it the right way. I agree, but that's the thing. He's got to handle it. I do think, and I mean, people are going to maybe think excessive, but this is a freshman, so it's not a big deal if you do this. But just to make a point, you're like, you're not allowed to dress with the team for the opener. Like just make something statement like that to say, one, be careful of what you're streaming. But two, this type of language is not tolerated amongst us. You know, that demean people for their cultures and for their ethnicities and their background. That's not going to be tolerated. You're not going to be canceled because me, like you said, I said, 
plenty of stupid things. And I was lucky to not have access to social media at the time. So I'm not condemning this kid or canceling him or whatever. I am saying it's good for the kid and it's good for Georgia. If Kirby smart addresses this in a disciplinarian way to say not to cast aspersions on him, but to say, this is something that we can't allow in our program. Yep. Travis says, I'll bet Dave's mortgage. Just an ongoing joke because I always say I'll bet my mortgage. That's when I mean. It's serious that nothing happens. Nothing's going to happen publicly. And it's pretty racist, regardless of the color of the dude. It is. It is pretty racist. But there is one. I mean, there ultimately is one word that's racist that we never say. We're, I mean, there's that, no way. Yeah. If a white person says it with a hard ER and like in a demeaning way, there's no way they didn't know that was bad. Like this person, you could say, okay, this is bad. You don't say, it. but yeah, every way we should all know, yeah, never say the N word <laughs> in a negative way referring to African Americans. Yes. So, and, but yeah, this, this was problematic. It was pretty racist. He doesn't need uh, to do that. And hopefully it's, it's a learning experience for um, Georgia's football program and the other players. If it's not, then Kirby Smart doesn't care. Would it be different if Asian Americans were a big part of college football? In other words, if, uh, African-American said something about a Caucasian or a Caucasian said something about an African-American, um, you know, would, would it be taken worse because those are the two primary, you know, Polynesian is another one, but those are the two primary races that are a part of football. Asian-Americans aren't a big part of football. Would it be, Ford is love. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would it be different if he had to walk into a locker room full of Asian-Americans? See, if he had, and here's the thing, when we talk about interactions and things, if that were the case, would he have even said that at that point, though? I mean, a lot of these types of statements are made because people don't know anybody personally from a culture. And so, I, I mean, he's from Greensboro, North Carolina. You know, I mean, so that the thing is, Caucasians and African-Americans aren't usually going to make statements about each other like that, because if you're on a football team, you're dealing with them all, all the time. And so you know that you would never say something that would demean the entire race. I think if it, so, if Asian Americans were a lot more a part of football, I don't think he would say something like that because he would actually know people of that descent and know that that's hurtful and, and offensive. That's a good point. Hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already, the like button, please share as well. Special guest tomorrow, John Adams will join us and he will say, in a whiny way and probably talk about his health issues which now he and i share we used to joke about john talking about health issues uh too much but uh now that i have health issues and as you get older everyone has health issues i really feel for him john will join us tomorrow we will uh, talk about the vols his thoughts on several topics and we look forward to that the home of uh, josh ward john adams and Fred White, and we've got more news coming up about the Celebrate 98 series. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker.